BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, May 19th, 2023. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins us now. Tony, always a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. There have been a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if they're developments or just revelations of things that have happened that have come down in the past 24 hours that I wanted to address with you. Sure. Uh, The first, and I guess to you and your life in the military, this is not absurd, but to the average uh, citizen, I think it is. The Pentagon says it overestimated Ukraine military aid by $3 billion. But how could that happen? What's well, a few billion dollars between friends, Judge? I mean, right, right. With other people's money, with taxpayers' money. Exactly. So, I, you know, I've been, I do talks and I was, I've been asking the American, uh, the folks I talk to, it's like, how many of you authorized your Congress member uh, to, to, to vote, vote on arming Ukraine? And of course, the answer is zero. And nobody has authorized this. Nobody's interested that I speak to. And then for the Pentagon to go about just, oh, okay, three billion. Who, who counts three billion? And that's the issue at this point. We have uh, both a, uh, a policy elite who are not good stewards of the American taxpayer. We could talk a whole show about the tax issues and, and spending issues. But with that said, the Pentagon has yet to ever pass a single audit. Think about that. And this is the most expensive one artifact that we, we the taxpayers, spend money on. And I, I, I'm part of something called the Pentagon Budget Campaign. It's a, it's a, a tr- transpartisan, all sides come to the table. And I always say I'm for an effective defense, not a, an expensive defense. And uh, simply put, throwing money at anything has never been a solution, yet that's exactly what the Pentagon is okay, doing. Okay, so how a mistake of this magnitude, were they counting used equipment as if it were new, or is this all just a fraud to allow old Joe to send another $3 billion over there uh, without debiting the the checkbook that Congress gave him? I think it's the latter. Uh, I think uh, I'd have to go back and look at the specifics, which, uh, speaking frankly, I don't think they're ever going to show us. But you'd have to go back and look at the specific programs, which programs are being uh, essentially tasked, taxed internally to provide gear. Remember, a lot of this stuff going over, Judge, is our stuff that has been in either garrison and stored or in containment uh, as a contingency package. And so so much of especially ammunition, which is expendable, uh, are those things which uh, we we will not be able to replenish easily. And remember, okay. everything's so more I, expensive I, now. So anything we give them now from an old stock, we're going to have to pay, pay three times more to restock ourselves. Okay, so I understand there are two or, or three ways we give them things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is a direct presidential drawdown. He says to the Secretary of Defense, what have you got available in Wiesbaden, right. Germany? Right. Uh, and they stocks. just ship it. stocks. Right. Okay. Ship it to Ukraine. This is right. from our substance, not from our surplus. S- yes. 
so that we okay. we don't as a military maintain that much surplus we never have we get we generally you sell things off as quickly as possible we're usually at about a penny to, to what you a penny to the dollar of what we paid for it and then this other these other things are theoretically in place for contingency operations that is to say that we've recognized that the u.s military is a very logistics heavy organization uh, we we win by logistics. That's the simple fact. Any war that we've prevailed and by in, logistics, you mean getting the right stuff from point A to point B in a timely manner to, to the people who are trained to use it. Absolutely. That's, okay. That, okay. that was especially how we won World War II. Absolutely. All right. Second way that we supply them with material is direct credit. So they right. order something from Raytheon. The federal government pays the bill. Raytheon right. makes the product and ships it to them. Or that that they basically take over an order the U.S. military has already made. And that credit then is then basically just uh, expunged. I think that the Pentagon, I could see Pentagon basically allowing them to double bill. That is to say that they'll pay the Raytheon or some corporation to do it. And then the Ukrainians come in with their money. And look, that's one of the things that uh, Able Danger, when we were doing the Able Danger hearings, uh, they didn't want to be revealed that SRA had triple bill the government for the same data for, for three different times and same data. Same thing could be going on here. And this is why we have to have an audit judge because corporations are not beyond double billing you for something that they're going to provide to Ukrainians. So that's something right. else to be concerned about. I'm, I'm, I'm way, just speaking from experience. Third way we give them stuff is to give them cash. Now, I don't know yes. if we are literally um, you know, sending uh, uh, buckets of greenbacks over there as we did in Iraq or if it's just a credit to the, the government's bank account at some uh, international bank. Uh, but this is where uh, our uh, friend that we, whose work we both admire, Cy Chase, has reported that the Ukrainians have stolen uh, Ukrainian military and political leadership over 400 million. The CIA knows that the CIA knows who the thieves are. I'm sure. The head of the CIA, Bill Burns, pointed out to President Zelensky his own name was on the list. Zelensky just looked the other way and said it won't happen again. Now, happen Rand again. Paul, Senator, uh, I've said this before, Senator Rand Paul in the Senate, Congressman Thomas Massey in the House, both libertarians from uh, Kentucky, introduced legislation every time the Biden administration asked for more money and the legislation simply said, Nothing goes out until it's um, uh, marked, observed, written down, checked by an inspector general. Right. Neither uh, Chuck Schumer in the Senate nor at the time Nancy Pelosi in the House would permit those uh, that legislation even be voted on. Right. So not only is there no inspector general, Congress knows it and didn't even vote on it. At a minimum, they should have approved it by the fact that they had a special IG uh, Singars for Afghanistan, which, by the way, uh, it didn't do any good other than to say, yeah, we've wasted all this and they, they can they can do a better line item uh, accounting for what we wasted. But I think at a minimum, you should have that oversight. And yeah, especially on the cash piece. Look, uh, cash is fungible to do all sorts of things beyond military spending. Uh, I don't necessarily know that we if we spent C1, we sent C-130s into Ukraine like we did Iraq, literally uh, packed to the gills with uh, pallets of $100 bills, which I personally saw pictures of and I talked to the people who did that. But the moment you basically send cash, any cash, either digital cash through uh, transactions or physical pallets, 
you've uh, you've fueled you've you have literally fueled uh, corruption, uh, especially in these cultures, Judge. Where well, Zelensky is giving us lip, lip, lip service, like all he's saying is, uh, "I'll be more careful next time to hide the corruption." That's all he's saying. But you're telling us, Tony, that there is corruption inherent and accepted in the very process of an American manufacturer billing the American federal government more than once for the same product. Is this understood, accepted, and expected in the accounts payable department of the Pentagon? The answer is, I don't know how accepted it is, but it's common practice. And some of it's why is it common practice? I mean, uh, because you're talking about would know that this is this is criminal because uh, the people involved are enriched by allowing the process to proceed. Remember, uh, Eisenhower warned us correctly of the industrial, the military industrial congressional complex. Those things were all related, and and people often leave out the congressional complex. Right, right. Everybody is on the gravy train. That's why. Everybody gives really good lip service to oversight and to whistleblowers. But when push comes to shove, they don't want to know because everybody who uh, is in the know kind of makes money off of this, either by the process of allowing it to happen or looking the other way and pretending they don't know. That's why I've said you need to have a rigorous outside third party doing auditing of every transaction, especially anything over, uh, I'd I'd say, over $10 million. Have presidents since Eisenhower of both parties known of this? Yeah. Uh, Look, once you start studying the process and understand the acquisition process and the billing process, there's an inherent uh, set of spaces for these things to happen. Judge, when you're talking about billions of dollars, millions can go missing easily. It's like this whole thing we're talking about today is the the premise, the three billion that the Pentagon misunderstood. There was no misunderstanding. It's people who understand very well that budgetary process and use it to their advantage, either to the corporations which they support or to the uh, to the members of Congress who benefit within their district of having all this money come in there. Remember, uh, all that money that's going to Ukraine, it's not going to Ukraine except for those things which we mentioned, like the, the actual currency that's being paid. Everything else, all these credits are spent in Washington to enrich U.S. corporations. So nobody wants to to stop that gravy train. And I would argue it's one of the reasons Biden and his administration are so sloppy on strategy, because the defense industry doesn't care. They're going to make money off this no matter what. It's it's just the way that the way life works. And I I don't like it. I'm just speaking to to my understanding of the process. And I think it's corrupt. I mean, is this. Generally understood amongst it the is military state, yes. your rank, lieutenant colonel, and above. I don't well, no, I mean, understand. No, it. not all lieutenant colonels know this. I mean, Judge, I'm, I, I'm a, I worked at a strategic level most of my career, and I was in the room, as you know, with a lot of the principles we talk about often. Right. Uh, and so, no, I was exposed because of the level of work I did with, you know, the, the Joint Chiefs, with the, the White House with the, 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 the actual war plans at that level of where we would have to figure out uh, the, the resources available, the intelligence necessary to drive the proper strategy and how to put everything together and implement it. So I've seen these things from the perspective of someone who was in the room with, you know, I've advised more than one chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I've advised more than one director of the CIA. And because of, of the nature of kind of the work I get pulled into, it's like the mafia judge. We never retire. We get pulled back in. And sometimes right. So when, when I mention this to uh, 
Colonel McGregor, Larry Johnson, Phil Giraldi, I uh, think Ray agree McGovern, with they're going to say, what else is new? I think, I think they're going to back me up on this, yes. Wow. And that the American public doesn't know this, and these schemes have been going on, and members of Congress know about it, and you say presidents of the United States have, have known about it is yes. just beyond the pale. Yeah. And then the other thing, I mean, certain members of Congress like Thomas Massey and Rand Paul know it, but they fight it. And, and uh, you know, I've look, I've been in a room with with both of their staffs with uh, with Thomas several times talking about some of these issues. And the best we can do is try to instruct them properly. Danny Davis, Dan, you know, I was a, I helped Danny Davis when he became a whistleblower on some of these issues. So right. I think a number of us try to speak truth to power. But the incentive is not there to, to be able to be successful because there's so much money involved. OK. As we speak, the G7 is meeting at the site of one of the great mass murders in history, Hiroshima, where Harry Truman killed tens of thousands of innocents on a Sunday morning and the uh, and the days and weeks following by dropping an atomic bomb on Japan right before it was ready to surrender anyway. Okay, I just had to get that in. However, there they are. They're, they're actually laying wreaths at the uh, site of where people were incinerated and obliterated. President Zelensky is going to join them tomorrow. Now, he's obviously, Ukraine is obviously not in the G7, uh, Tony, but right. they are preparing new sanctions against Russia. How crazy is this? They're going to deny their own countries, every single one of which is hurting, every single one of which is suffering from uh, rampant inflation, from the United States to Germany, from Great Britain, Britain to France. They're going to deny their countries the ability to import raw materials from Russia, of which Russia has plenty. Right. So the, the the first round of sanctions didn't work because Russians knew they were coming and they'd already made plans to, you know, so there was a bump in the road. It did. They did take a hit, but they knew it was coming. They prepared for it. I suspect the Russians have done similar here. Remember, 75 percent of the current transactions, as I recall it, I'm, this is a rough order of magnitude estimation. 75% of all Russia's transactions are with nations who continue to work with them, which is two big ones, uh, India and China. So, yeah, uh, Russia is going to be able to plan around this. And there's going to be people who are willing to either buy or, uh, their their oil and their resources and sell them goods in return. And these other folks, I think, are spitting in the wind, so to speak. It's like, OK, yeah, you, you can you can do the sanctions, but they're not going to have the effects you think they are. And they're just going to essentially come back, boomerang back on their own account economies, which is what I mean, this make this makes as much uh, sense as tariffs, which, of course, are just the cost of which are just passed on to the consumers the consumer, right. of the country that imposes the tariffs. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. goods and services are not something the Russians are going to have a hard time uh, working around. And that's what, you know, again, the, the, the fundamental issue here, Judge, is the the the, the G7 and Ukraine are not willing to fundamentally address the core issue of what's going on here. Russia has said historically they need to feel secure. The fundamental issue is that they do not feel secure, and they're willing now to fight to retain their need for security. They've been invaded several times. Uh, this goes back to to a czar. Uh, one of the, I can't remember which number czar, but was one of the czars right. uh, that they've been invaded over and over. So uh, as long as you fundamentally ignore the fact that the Russians feel, not how you feel, not how we feel, as long as you ignore the fact the Russians feel that you are imposing on them uh, 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 territorially in such a way that, that makes them feel threatened by us, then this, nothing's ever going to get better.
before we get into the F6. And I'm not pro-Russian, just saying. I'm just, I'm I know that. But before we get into the uh, latest on the F-16s, which is the 800-pound gorilla in the room this afternoon, yeah. I just want to read you uh, what one of our uh, commenters uh, wrote. We get hundreds, sometimes thousands of comments uh, per second. Uh, you draw a lot, Tony. You have a lot of fans uh, out there who followed you for years. Well, thank you. It's pretty. I won't read the uh, person's name or even their their handle. Sometimes it's not even a, <laughs> a real name. It's pretty impressive that the entire West is throwing weapons and money at Russia, and the West still can't win. This will be a historic victory for Russia if it can win. So I think it's a pretty it's a prescient con comment. Look, um, the F 16s we keep going weapon system to weapon system to weapon system, somehow thinking that's going to be the key to, to victory for the Ukrainians. It's insane. Strategic thinking and understanding uh, how to counter specific uh, military capacity and capabilities is how you win. This is not how you win. Let me give a, a, a kind of analogy of what's going on here. But getting Even if they give F-16 to the Ukrainians, if they do, uh, giving the F-16 to the Ukrainians is like giving an Audi TT uh, 19, uh, two, uh, Audi 2002, uh, Audi TT to uh, a team rush, rush, ra racing at the Indy 500 against uh, cars 20 years better and faster. I love the F-16. It's, it's like a little sports car, but it's not adequate to do have any net success on the, right. the 21st I, I, century. I got to read this comment because it's hilarious on a Friday afternoon. Can I have an F-16 too? I'm out of beer and I'm out of F-16s. <laughs> well, maybe I hear there's a lot of Bud Light available if you go down to the local. Oh uh, God, we know, we know, we, just you know we, we know we can get Bud Light, and that's where they make it because they can't <laughs> sell it. Okay, so is it a game changer? No, for President Biden to say to uh, our NATO allies, "We built and sold you F-16s." We did so under conditions that you can't give them away without our consent. We're now consenting for you to give them away. And at the same time, there is one right there. You tell yeah. us about it in a second as soon as yeah. I finish talking. And at the, at the same time, we're going to take Ukrainian pilots who've been flying 30 and 40-year-old Soviet pieces of garbage and train them to fly F-16s. Yeah. Let's break this down. First off, the, the F-16 uh, at its time, it was part of the, the, the Boyd revolution. Uh, uh, Boyd and his guys came up with a lot of effective weapon systems, uh, the F-15 Eagle, and this was one of them. Uh, the F-16 F-100 engine, it's like a little sports car. It was actually designed to compete against uh, mo modern then in the 80s Soviet aircraft, the MiG-29 being a kind of the equivalent of it. Anyway, the Russians have long passed, moved past the, the, the MiG-29, and we have too. Uh, so this is not modern. It is not something upgraded. At least with the F-15, they have the F-15Xs, which are coming into service, which are truly upgraded and, and able to hold their own. This is not. And then the other thing to remember, Judge, just so the weapon system itself is, is antiquated. I don't think it'll have any net positive effect. These things uh, are, are not I, we, we could talk for 10 minutes. We don't have the time, but I can. All right, all right, so it is the, uh, Tony, so you, obviously, you obviously know more about this than journalists. The press this afternoon, the mainstream media, including my uh, buddies and former colleagues at Fox, are calling yeah. this a game changer. You're no. telling us it's not. It's not. And the second thing. So even well, if. What if does this, the F-16 do? Do they get in dogfights with other planes or do they carry a bomb or a it's missile? A, 
it's a multi-role fighter. It can do a little bit of both. It can do fighting. Uh, does it, look, it's a very sporty little aircraft. It's designed to, to, to do air-to-air combat. It does it very well, uh, mm. but it's not stealthy. It does not have 21st century countermeasures or stealth. It's, it's, it's not that. It can do ground attacks. It can carry a, a good amount of ordnance. It's not as good as an A-10. A-10 is optimal for that. Op, uh, A-10s will probably serve for another 20 years. F-16s do not have, they can do some of that. So there, it's kind of a Swiss army knife in many ways, but dot, 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 it's not designed or upgraded to the 21st century, to the, the modern combat threat. And let me hear one other thing real quick. The other thing is training. Uh, if you're going what to I was going to ask you. How long does it take so, and what does it cost to train a pilot? Well, it costs very expensive. I mean, it's those things cost forever, a lot because of fuel, maintenance, uh, upkeep. You're talking about probably uh, $10 million a person to get them adequately trained to, to go in there. Uh, just that's a rough order of magnitude based on everything. I, I wonder if that's even coming out of the $113 billion well, I don't know. well, a lot of that will be absorbed by the, the uh, Air Combat Command in the United States who trains all these folks. It's just, you know, it's going to be incidental to all right. You know, the so you've got a, a 25-year-old, it's hypothetical, a 25-year-old uh, Ukrainian pilot, well-trained, but trained on on Soviet planes that are older than he is. How long yeah. will it take to bring him so, to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and 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 train him to fly these things. You're better off taking in who's someone who's 20, 21, because the last thing you want, Judge, is someone who's already been trained in Soviet aircraft, Russian aircraft. Because Why what happens, that? because you get, flying an airplane, I used to fly helicopters, look, it's, it's very, you gotta understand the process. You understand checklists, you go through, you understand how, the, how everything works. And for the instrumentation, the Russian system of, of teaching and what they use to, 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 for that is, is completely different than what we do. So the idea here is that you have to basically um, untrain a Russian-trained pilot and then retrain them. And then in, in, in times of stress, the things they were originally trained to do may come back. Uh, there's some incidents I've seen uh, happen. For example, this is a, a bit of an obtuse but apt uh, comparison. A few years ago, there was a 737 that blew out the entire uh, front cabin, uh, Hawaiian Airlines. And so during that incident, one of the pilots was a former Navy pilot. And they reported that during that stressful moment, he kept trying to reach up and pull down, reach up and pull down. What happened, Judge? He reverted to his Navy training. And that's how you eject out of an F-14. You basically do that. So what I'm saying is that whatever you're inherently first trained to do, your instincts are to go back to that. So you've got to be untrained from all those bad habits that you got from learning Russian. So, all right. so what it's, I'm almost, saying is, it's almost like muscle memory. Exactly. Very, so very it, difficult to it's, unlearn. It's very difficult to unlearn. And then you put them in, in weapon system and in, in technical in our controls with our weapon systems. It's completely different. Literally. Okay. Let me go back to my question. A 19 or 20 year old, uh, intelligent and, and healthy Ukrainian member of the Ukrainian Air Force, whatever. Yeah. How yeah. long will it take Americans to train this young man or woman to fly an F-16? You're talking months or years? We're talking about at least a year and tra enhanced training. So if you're talking about someone who's coming in with no background, uh, kind of from, from scratch, about a year. If you're talking about trying to unlearn someone, bad habits, it could probably be longer than that. So, And you're talking about 10 million bucks per, per human per, being per, being per, trained. To, to go through the entire cycle, yes. Wow. Tony Schaefer, no matter what we talk about or when it is, it's a beautiful, sunny, 
spring, summer-like Friday afternoon here in northern New Jersey. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, enlightening our viewers and listeners on all of this. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you, my dear friend. If you like what you saw, like and subscribe. We're just on the cusp of 150,000 YouTube subscribers. Boy, would I like to break that number very, very soon. Oh, and I'm back here in about uh, 10 minutes uh, on the on the breaking news of today. A dissent by Justice um, uh, Neil Gorsuch, which I couldn't have written better. One of the greatest defenses of civil liberties and attacks on the American lockdowns during the COVID uh, years that I have ever read. More as we get it in just a few minutes. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.